0: Hey everybody, it's Heavy Ham. I'm here to talk to you about how easy it is to use Anchor to get your podcast out there. These guys are amazing to work with. They get you set up on every platform imaginable. Just recently I got set up on Google and Spotify and my listeners are coming in like crazy. It's free to get you set up with sponsors Like the ad you're listening to right now is for Anchor, the people that I'm podcasting through. It's amazing. So check them out. Go to anchor.fm start to get started or download the app through the Google Play Store or the Apple iStore. It's Anchor. It's free and it's simple. Podcast today. I can't wait to hear it. Welcome back to HamCast. I'm your host, Heavy Ham, and today we're going to be talking about Pukwudgies. What are puckwudgies? Well, these are your little forest beings. Quite literally, Pukwudgie means people of the wilderness. They've also been called the Apaines or simply Paiens, which means little ones or little people. They've been attributed with a sweet smell of wildflower. They've been said to have magical powers, which vary from tribe to tribe. That's right, tribe to tribe. Now, many people hear tribe, and they think Native American. Now, although most of these legends come from the Native American folklore, when I say tribe to tribe, I mean tribe of people. Because although many of the legends and folklore come from Native American people, there are legends out there that come from other regions, not just Native American folklore, and they come from all over the world. So when I say tribe, I mean just tribe of people. Their powers include invisibility, the ability to confuse people and make them forget things, and the ability to shapeshift into dangerous animals. Let's touch base on the invisibility real quick. Now. Invisibility can take form in many different aspects. Invisibility can be as simple as... And I use the term simple loosely because... Chameleons, squid, octopi... uh, Several different types of fish have this cloaking mechanism within their skin that actually allows them to um, mimic the background or the foreground even so it's not necessarily simple but it's actually a complex part of their skin makeup or their DNA makeup that allows them to do that but there's that. That's simple in comparison to the next thing I'm going to suggest. Um, it's also been known, or rumored, that... The large forest beings, Bigfoot if you will, have the same cloaking mechanism. Um, so... The next option is that they move at a higher frequency than us. They resonate at a higher frequency. For those of you who are science nerds, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are not, or think I'm out of my rocker, I invite you to go to a university or a science lab and or astrology lab rather, and ask them to hear the sound of the sun. The sound of the earth The sound of the moon They all resonate at a different frequency You resonate at a frequency So if we all put off a frequency It stands to reason that trees, plants, even animals put off a frequency Frequencies that we would be able to see or hear Because hearing is a part of being able to see Um, without it you would not be able to see completely so if they're resonating at a different type of frequency they would be deemed invisible unless they slowed down their frequency long enough for us to see it This episode, by the way, real quick shout-out to my boy Callie over there at Colorado Forest Beings. This guy does a whole lot of really amazing groundwork and a lot of great video footage on the potential homesteads of these little people. If you haven't already, go check out his YouTube channel. It's Colorado Forest Beings. One of my most favorite videos uh, that talks about the little people is ancient ruins, carvings, and mud fossils. Uh, I think it was actually... It wasn't Callie that got me started in... The whole love of dwarves, elves, little people, pixies, fairies, and all that stuff. But it was him that reminded me that we need to give them the full length of attention. Um, let's rewind. So, let's go all the way back to when I was a kid. My grandmother, who I, call, who I referred to as mom because she raised me. Had me watching movies like Darby O'Gill, Brigadoon. Darby O'Gill, actually, the full name of that movie was Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And uh, Brigadoon was a movie where... Two men crossed a bridge... And went into a land of little people. And then *Nomobil*. So and all the while while we watched this she would these movies she would tell me that these little people actually exist they live out in the woods and that they have you don't always get to see them but sometimes you get to smell them when it doesn't seem like you should be able to like and I said well how do you know when they're around she goes be very alert of your surroundings and if there's no flowers in the area and you smell flowers they're there And Sometimes you get to see them And if you see them And they invite you back Be very cautious of your answer Because if you go with them You'll never be able to come back So That was her heat of warning to me And I forgot all about that for a long time Fast forward several years And I grow up um, and then I start watching Doing Bigfoot research As you guys know And end up watching Callie's channel And he starts talking about the little people And uh, and I start Diving into Native American Folklore for my Bigfoot research And Pukorgy pulls up Not only that It pulls up in my Ten subspecies Of 10 subspecies of Bigfoot. Puck wedgie's number 10. So, you know, I decided to dive into it quite a bit, and this segment, this episode is going to be quite long. Uh, so, what we did, or you know, what I did, was. I started thinking back to all the times that I've been Out in the woods where there should have been no flowers And Or where I've All the times I've smelled that sweet smell And I can name Half a dozen if not a dozen times I've smelled that sweet smell And every time I smell that sweet smell it reminds me of my mom My grandma And uh, I was like, well, maybe it reminds me of her because she told me the story. And I started doing some research on the puck wedges, And that's when I found out that they're attributed to the sweet-smelling flowers. So, for the record... These uh, little people have been known to be mischievous, but they've also been known to help their human neighbors when the time called for it. They've also been known to be very dangerous to people who disrespect them and um, mean to cause them harm. Such as the shape-shifting ability. They can shape-shift into things like cougars and bears. Which I find very interesting, considering most of the time they are seem to be knee-high, even smaller. So, if your knee, from the ground to the floor... I'm sorry, from the ground to your knee is about four feet, right? We'll say three to four feet and you got a creature about four feet shape-shifting into a cougar. That's quite powerful. Shape-shifting into a bear, that's very powerful. Now you imagine something even smaller than that doing exactly the same thing. Some of these things in Kelly's video, Ancient Runes, Aren't any bigger than your hand, and these are actual actual skeletons. People in his video, he does has several pictures of these little people's skeletons, and they ain't even any bigger than your hand. Some of them are smaller than your hand. So these things are able to shape shift. I'm telling you right now, that's a lot of power right there. All right. Now, I've downloaded quite a few books from the Project Gutenberg ebook library. Amazing library. If you guys get a chance, you should really go check it out. We got a lot of, I don't really know about newer books, but because I'm more into the older literature, I find it to be more dependable as far as legends and folklore, and it hasn't been modernized or. Uh, it hasn't been edited as much. In other words, Big Brother hasn't got their hands into it and taken things out. So I look for things dated pre-1960-ish. Pre-1970, okay? So, I'm talking, I got books on my phone from 1920, 1902, 1870. That's the kind of ebooks I have on my phone. I've got the Book of the Wallam Olam, I've got the Book of Magic Island from 1902, and I've got several other books that talk about the same kind of concept from that same era from different authors talking about the same experience. Um we'll get a little bit more into the that here in a minute, but before we dive any further into books that I think people should check out. Um I would like to take this minute to ask anybody out there who's had an experience, who's had a sighting, who's had what they think might be an encounter, or if you have a comment or a question, there is a little button in every one of these things where you can leave a voice message. Don't hesitate to hit it. Hit it. Leave a voice message. Just because the podcast has aired doesn't mean I can't add to the segment, make, the, make another recording to the segment of the episode and add your comments, add your questions and answer them. Do a question and answer segment to the episode. I would love to get that kind, of, that kind of thing started. So if you guys are out there and you're listening and you want to ask questions, um, don't hesitate to do that. As always, my email is dses61305 at comcast.net. If you guys want to hit me up privately with questions, feel free to do that. I did put the word out I was doing a Pukwudgie episode, and somebody actually hit me up with a question. Do you think Pukwudgies could partially be responsible for the World War II Gremlins? Now, I've tried digging up things on the World War II Gremlins, and a lot of that has been... I hate using the word redacted, but a lot of it just isn't on the internet. So I'm trying to find older books through the Project Gutenberg ebook library. Um not having a whole lot of luck. I do know from secondhand storytelling experience that a lot of the World War II vets that I talked to claim to have seen or encountered some of these gremlins. Some of them truly believe that they existed. Do I believe that the Pukwudgies were responsible, were the one and the same, the gremlins that they thought were sabotaging their machinery or causing their equipment to malfunction? Yeah, I don't know. Um, on one hand, I don't want to believe that because, you know, I want to believe that these things are magical and, you know, light and friendly, even though I did just get say, done saying that they could be dangerous to those That deem them harm. And technically a war. Between nations. Could potentially mean. Harm to the little people. Because. You're dropping bombs down on forest. I mean. Casualty of war. Bigfoot little people. They're going to be in harm's way too. So yeah. It's very likely that. They saw an opportunity. To insert themselves into the machinery and start sabotaging things and causing things to go wrong. And within the time frame of doing that, let a few people see them or just by happenstance had to slow themselves down and a couple of people saw them. So it's very likely that, yes, they were responsible for the gremlin outbreak during World War II. And... Um, It is, so it is very likely. Now, as far as books go, modern books about legends involving little people. If you want to start with a book, with one book. I'm kind of tossed between two different books, but for the amateur out there, I would say... Look for Deet Katu. D Katu. D-E-T. D-E-E-T. K-A-T-O-O. Deet Kato. This is, tells about the little people. The wedgies, From 14 different tribes. Okay. This will get you started. This will get you right down into that rabbit hole. Right where you need to be. Getting into the legends and everything. This is the very first book you should probably get. Okay. Along with that you could probably grab Um Good Giants and Bad Puckwudgies. It's a picture book, but it covers the Mouse Shops Battle and The Wapanag Legends. Also Giants of the Dawnlands. It's a collection of the Wapanagi legends. Those are good that's probably a really good book. Um, I did do some previewing of the book. These are books that I actually want to add to my collection. Um, so, if you have, you know, if you're out there and you have an opportunity to get your hands on these books, I and you're interested in this subject, I would recommend getting them. Uh, the Alicornian Spirit. Now, this book, this book is like my holy grail. Um, as far as as far as legends in regard to the little people go, and the reason why is because I've already got the Walam Olam book. This would be the perfect accompanying book for that, because in the Walla Olam we talk about it talks about the Alakoyan tribe, and in the Walam Olam. It goes back to where America and Asia were joined together, the continents where they were joined together, and this little people tribe came over, but that they're descendants of Atlantis. Okay, that's important, and we'll touch base about that in a in another episode or another segment of this episode. Um, but this Aliconian spirit It's the anthology of native stories And songs and oral history From the O'hobohebe And Aliconian tribes I think this would help shed light And help me translate Maybe some of the stories From the H- Olam, Olam And help me piece together The rest of it um, I know there's a lot of misconception about the Walla and a lot of people, there was a time where they thought the Walla was a hoax. Or uh, for a better part of the uh, turn of the century, they just disregarded it completely. Misinformation I think is a better Phrase for that Misinformation I think what it was Was they were afraid People were actually Going to find out That Um Atlantis was a real place And The Descendants Actually existed And That Things Truly were The way that people have been saying that they were, because a lot of these books were taking off the shelves, they were made to seem crazy, they were made to seem like fairy tales, and now that we're getting into this dawn of time where things are coming into light, where people are researching more of the older stories, we're finding out that it's not so crazy, It's not so far-fetched. It's not just fairy tales. There's more truth to it than anything. Um, You know. So. We have proof of so many different things. That at one point in time were believed to be far-fetched or fairy tale. Like. We need to take account of what they were trying to sweep under the rug. So once again I would like to take this moment to encourage any of my listeners out there that if you've ever had a possible encounter even if it was just a moment where you were out in the woods where there was possibly no flo- where there was no reason for the smell of flowers to be there you're in a completely wooded area where there was dead trees and pine trees and there was no flowers around, and you smelt flowers. If you can remember that as vividly as possible, and you want to share it with the rest of the viewers that or listeners, hit the message button or email me and I'll read your story. If you have a comment or a question that you want read hit the message button or email me. Once again, my email is dses61305 at comcast.net Callie, I hope you enjoyed this little segment, this little episode of The Little People. By all means, we're not done. We've got a lot more information to comb through, a lot more legends to go over. I can't wait to read. I've got So much more information to go through. Um, Since I've been down, so much more information has come to light. Um, Like I said, I've got a few books that I've downloaded that have shed some light on some other legends. And the eerie similarity. I mean, there's like a 20 year span between the books. And both researchers Have such a similar encounter Such a similar Verbiage Such a similar thing And I'm going to actually print up their One has a foreword One has a preface in their book um, I'm going to print those up And in the next segment of this episode I'm going to read both of them And uh, let you guys decide for yourselves if, uh, you know, really what you guys think. And also, I'm going to let you guys in on where these, where this Magic Island exists. Once again, Magic Island is the name of a book, but it pinpoints where the nine peaks are and I'll let you know where they're at. Maybe one of you who live out there can go and experience one of the peaks for yourselves. Maybe find the island itself. Let me know. I'm going to do some map research as well right here from the comfort of my own home as I don't have the luxury of traveling clear across the globe. But I'm going to pull up some map images from Google Earth and see what we can find. This is Heavy Ham, and as always, everybody, I want you guys to have fun and stay safe. Stay lit. And don't be afraid to travel down that rabbit hole. You never know what's at the other end, but the adventure is what makes it worthwhile.